Good morning. It is great to have you here with us to worship this morning. Let's stand up and sing together. worship and to learn more about you. Lord, open our hearts and our minds and just wrap us up in your arms this morning and guide us in worship as we praise your name. In your name we pray. Amen. To the one whose dreams are falling all apart and all you're left with is a tired and broken home. I can tell by your eyes you think you're on your own. But you're not alone. Have you heard of the one who can come the raging sea? Give sight to the blind, pull the lame up to their feet. With a love so strong, it never lets you go. 
Did you know that the voice that brings the dead to life is the very same voice that calls you now to rise? So hear him now, he's calling you home. You'll never be alone. You will be safe in his arms. You will be safe in his arms. Cause the hands that hold the world are holding your heart. This is the promise he made. He will be with you always. When everything Falling apart, you will be safe in his arms. These are the hands that built the mountains, the hands that calmed the sea. These are the arms that hold the heavens, they are holding you and me. These are the hands that healed the leper, pulled the lame up to their feet. These are the arms that were nailed to the cross to break our chains and set us free. You will be safe in His arms. You will be safe in His arms. Cause the hands that hold the world are holding your heart. This is the promise He made. He will be with you always. crowd here this morning. Good to see you here. Turn and greet your neighbor and children. We invite you to come up front to join us here. I gave you a coin, right? And I need you to hold it super duper tight, like as tight as you can hold it. You might even need to use two hands. And no matter what I say to you this morning, don't let that coin go, okay? No matter what I say, hold it super tight. All right, let's pretend, mm -hmm, let's pretend that I am God, and I need you to let go of that coin and to give it to some poor people or some sick people to help them pay for some medicine. Okay, good job. You didn't let go. All right, um, let's pretend that I'm God one more time, and I need you to give me that coin so we can trade it, and I'll give you a dollar. How about that? For real? No, not for real. <laughs> Hold it super tight. <laughs> God told us in the Bible, he told us that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that when we give to other people and we let go of our coins, we let go of them a little bit, and we give them to people that need them, or we drop them in the offering plate at church, or we go out and help somebody else, that we will receive a great reward from God. And it might not be that God gives us a dollar for every time we give somebody a penny. It might not be that. But it might be that we are blessed in some different kind of way. 
God wants us to let go of our things, of our possessions, and give to other people so that we can help, so that we can help those people, and that we'll be greatly blessed. The Bible also says that God loves a cheerful giver, so that when you give someone something, if you give them your coin or if you give them some of your help and your time, you need to do that with a cheerful heart, and he wants us to be happy when we're helping other people. So I have a challenge for you today. That little coin that I gave you, I would like for you to do something with that coin today. When the offering plates go around, that'll be the time that you can let that coin go, and I'd like for you to put it in that offering plate, because when we give our money to the Lord, we are blessed greatly. Okay, so that's your challenge for today. I'd like for you to share that with the Lord. Yes, sir. Oh, that's tough. I know. What if you don't want to? There's plenty of times when we don't want to do that. There's plenty of times when it's easier for us to take our money and go to Target or take our money and go out to eat or take our money and go to the movies. You're right. Not with a penny. You're right. But we need to remember. And you watch your movies at home. That's really good, too. We're getting lost here. We... um. God wants us to be a cheerful giver, and he wants us to give what we have with our whole heart. So today, I challenge you to put that money in that offering plate and to give with your whole heart. Okay, let's bow our heads and pray together. Repeat after me. Dear Lord, help me to be a cheerful giver. Amen. Reminds me of the story of the little boy who was given a dime and a quarter, and he gave the dime because he said he could give it a lot more joyfully than he could the quarter. <laughs> good morning to you. It's good to see all of you. Uh, I'm glad that you're here for this hour of worship. Uh, if you're worshiping with us as a visitor, uh, we have a goal, and that is to make you not feel like a visitor, to make you feel uh, part of us, and, and so much so that you want to come back and on future occasions in future weeks to uh, worship with us. We do have lots of activities around the church today, Sunday school for all ages, uh, even us old folks at 10 o'clock this morning. Most of the classes, for, uh, all the classes for children are in this building, younger children downstairs, older children, youth upstairs, uh, adult classes here as well as in other places. So we hope you'll um, stay around for that. Then our traditional service is at 11 o'clock uh, youth activities and children. We'll get to those in a minute, but I uh, want to welcome you. If you have a prayer concern this morning, we invite you to share those concerns with all of us by writing something down on an index card that we have our ushers to pass out to you. If you lift your hands so we know, know that you need a card, we will certainly get by there and give you a card and ask you to write something down, and we'll share your concerns later. Sunday night program continues tonight, uh, children and youth. The preschoolers will meet Miss Jessica in the choir room at 5.30. Uh, parents will pick you up at 7 o'clock up on the second floor where they will be moved. Elementary kids start out on the second floor with Miss Katie at 5.30, and then they will be moved to the choir room where you parents can pick the elementary kids up in the choir room at 7 o'clock. Um, Let's see, Kevin Duncan has an announcement to make, and Katie Jeter may be busy, not able to make an announcement. I'll do that for her. Good morning. Hope you all are doing well this morning. I just want to take a minute uh, for everybody that's new here or visitors to talk a little bit about our Cheerful Hearts midwinter dinner that we have February 13th at 6 p.m. This will be our fourth um, year doing this. It's a really great time, what I like to call the, uh, the three F's, fun, fellowship, and food. Um, it starts at 6 p.m. We will have a nursery provided. Um, so please, everyone come. Tickets are $10 a piece. We're gonna have a catered dinner that night. We'll also have uh, some entertainment. We'll have a silent auction and a live auction. Um, last year, we were able to raise over $3,700, which 3000 of that went to our general budget here at the church. 
and we were able to give 700 to Greer Community Ministries. Um, this year, our class, the uh, cross training class, we felt that there was a deeper need here at home at uh, Memorial. So this year, we're going to we've decided as a class to donate all the proceeds to the general budget so that the church can see fit where the need is this year. Um, so please come. The the auction is a is a lot of fun for any new person that has never been that has just joined the church. It is a is it a great time to also meet um, other people from our from our church. Um, you know, Arthur even tried to say that he wanted to provide uh, some, some comedy entertainment during dinner. But I told him that our focus was to raise money. <laughs> that we didn't want people leaving during dinner and miss the auction. So we appreciate that. We'll find something else for you to do during that, during that night. Um, but again, we'll be selling tickets up until the day of. You can see anybody that's in the cross training uh, Sunday school class. Also, we need your help. Our class is going out right now to local businesses and uh, getting donations. Um, for any of our members or visitors, if you have a talent or if you work for a business or you have any item that you think that could be donated that we could use in the auction, please uh, do that. So, um, again, this goes towards the general budget for us, you know, to be successful as a church. Um, that would be a, a great benefit to it. So just either see myself or Katie if you have anything that you're willing to donate. Thank you. Well, I know you don't want me to sing, so no. Anyway, okay. Katie is in the nursery, I believe. Here, no. Is she coming? Okay. She said if she was not able to escape, I was to make this announcement. So um, Mission Kids will be having their Make-A-Swish fundraiser sometime in a few weeks. Doesn't have a date here. Two weeks from today. Super Bowl Sunday. Okay. So, um Keep that in mind, and you'll be hearing more about that. It's a wonderful fundraiser that they do. Um, you'll see these flyers up around the church announcing uh, women, a meeting of uh, the United Methodist women and all women, in fact, for the call to prayer and self-denial at 11 o'clock in the social hall on Tuesday, February 1st. Uh, guest speaker is Ruth Waters McQuite, who is Dean of Women at North Greenville University has spoken here before, and you want to be here to hear what she has to say that day. Uh, prayer cards are coming in. I want to say just a P.S. to something that uh, Kevin said, and that is that, okay, that, that um, there's a lot of opportunities that this church gives, and we don't do an awful lot of arm-twisting and begging um, or guilt-tripping you for money. Uh, we just don't do that. But I hope you're appreciative of the fact that we have a vastly underpaid and overworked staff that take care of your children all the time. And um, we want to be able to make sure we can keep all these people for years to come. Got a good team here. And so when you're making decisions as to what to do with uh, your charitable donations and whatnot, I hope you feel good about giving the maximum you can to this church because there's an awful lot of good going on here all the time. When children are coming twice on Sundays to be educated and learn to sing and, and uh, do crafts and things like that. When our youth are coming twice during the week on, Monday, on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and then for Bible studies during the week as well. Uh, when we have someone like Andy who goes when he can to schools that will let him in still to have dinner with, uh, with our teenagers. That's becoming more and more of a problem, by the way. Um, but, uh, you know, we want to keep these people. And um, finance committee is struggling real hard to make sure we can keep doing all the things we want to do. So keep that in mind and pray this year and, and seek God's will for your own giving that uh, we might continue to be able to do all the things that, that I think are mighty good that we're doing here as, as a church here at Memorial. Yes, Chris. That's 10 days from now. Groundhog Day. They made a, they ought to make a movie about that. Uh, <clears throat> Groundhog Day is the next church-wide Wednesday night dinner. Okay. Whatever Wednesday is around Groundhog. All you Groundhogs, come. <laughs> Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Lord, we are thankful this day 
for all that you're doing here and not just here because it's such a big job. Thank you for every church that is proclaiming the name of Jesus this day in this good community and in our county and in our world. We pray that as their partners, we would all look to you for strength and guidance day by day as we serve the risen Savior. These are our special prayers, Lord, for this day. Hear us as we pray. We pray for a preacher to preach the word again. We pray for continued healing for Neil Weiss. We pray for a young girl who was recently diagnosed with lung cancer. We pray for healing for Liz Farley, Lori Moore, and Mike Berg. Also for good test results for a member of Memorial. We pray for your safety to abide upon Tom Richforth and his team in Afghanistan. We pray for your healing upon Lim Eubanks. We pray for troops in harm's way, their families and loved ones. We pray for Michelle on the loss of her mother, for Clay Thornburg for ongoing improvements from car accident, a car accident back in December. Pray for Luke Hall, O oh Lord. We pray in, in your name for him in the hospital for six weeks now. And we pray for help for a mother through her dental surgery Tuesday and recovery. And we pray for a wife having surgery this week. Lord, these are our prayers through Jesus Christ who has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. When Jesus began to preach, hear now the scripture from Matthew chapter 4, beginning with verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which is by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. To fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went through Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Here ends the lesson. Now, most of us preachers remember very well the first sermon that we preached, or the first few anyway. By the way, did you know that, that Andy has now begun his formal education for United Methodist Ministry? That's, that is right. Last night he tried on a tuxedo, and tonight we're going to see how he looks in an evening gown. No, actually, um, actually he drove down to Atlanta yesterday. He's taken a couple of courses at Emory, uh, Candler School of Theology, and that's going to be his Saturdays, what, once a month, Andy? twice a month for a while so uh, keep him in your prayers but there's little Andy boy didn't he put on whiskers at a young age it's really something 
But most of us preachers remember what it was like to learn to preach, um, how to do research for sermons, how to decide on what points that we need to make, how to find adequate illustrations and stories to communicate the gospel to our congregations. It's a process that very few ever master, and lots of us, quite frankly, never get very good at. I didn't get an amen there. I thought. Of my... <clears throat> I heard about one preacher who talked of his um, burning desire to preach. And he said in church one Sunday, he said, I wanted to preach so badly. And he got home and says, well, his wife said, well, today you succeeded. That was a bad sermon. <clears throat> but uh, Jesus had to learn to preach. Now think about that a minute. The Son of God, here in human flesh, had to learn everything you had to learn. He didn't come here knowing how to walk. He emptied himself of all that, the scripture says. He had to learn how to talk and feed himself. He had to learn his one, two, threes and his ABCs or whatever alphabet they use in the Arabic and Hebrew back in those days. Um, he had to learn how to, to do a trade. He learned how to build cabinets with his dad, earthly dad. He went to the synagogue because he needed to learn the Bible and to express its truths. When he turned age 30, he had to learn how to speak in public, to communicate his ideas in ways that others would understand. In short, Jesus was just like preachers today who have to learn how to preach. That's what the incarnation means, my friends. Like all other humans, Jesus had to learn life's lessons. It's interesting to me that after his baptism, Jesus seems to hold back, not rush right out and start preaching after the baptism from John. Uh, he must have stayed down around Jerusalem um, after his baptism because we're told that it was only after John was arrested uh, that he returned from down in the Jerusalem area uh, up to his home area up this way. The nearby standard version of the Bible says that Jesus withdrew from the Judean area to Galilee, a, a sort of a retreat. Uh, it was a strategic retreat on his part to get as far away from Herod as he could to the safer, relatively safer places far away from Jerusalem. The text implies that Jesus went home to Nazareth first for a brief stay perhaps to tell his family goodbye, before he relocated a bit further north, further away from Herod, in Capernaum. And that's what Jesus made his center of operations and his new home, and where he preached his first sermon. Now John's imprisonment left a huge void in the lives of John's disciples, and also the entire people of Israel who had based a lot of their hopes on John. And it was that void that Jesus stepped into to fill. The message translation of the Bible captures this idea real well when it translates chapter, uh, or verse 17 rather, this way. Hello. He, meaning Jesus, picked up right where John left off. Change your life. God's kingdom is here. You see, Jesus' message was the same as John's. If Jesus was hoping to learn to preach, it's like he started with a theme he'd already heard, and he also was trying to fill a void in the lives of, his peop of these people, and so he went with a familiar theme. He repeated John's message, and I can imagine that almost immediately John felt like, John's people rather, felt like, we've got a new preacher. We've got the new pastor we've needed. And the energy that had been John's up until this point began to be transferred over to the movement that Jesus was starting. Matthew tells us the fact that Jesus began his preaching up in Capernaum was in direct fulfillment of prophecy. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea, uh, along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, all people living in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. 
I love that phrase, the land of the shadow of death. It's a fascinating one. Death Valley. No, I don't think he was talking about uh, Frank Howard Field over at Clemson and Memorial Stadium. In fact, there was a, that phrase was used most often in, in that time to describe the road down to Jericho where the man was beaten and robbed and left to die and where the Good Samaritan came along and rescued him. That was such a dangerous place, it was often called uh, the, the road that goes through the valley of the shadow of death. But figuratively speaking, it means life anywhere on earth because our lives here on earth could be described as existence overshadowed by darkness and death. So when the Bible speaks about the people who live in darkness, it's really speaking about you and me, isn't it? In the summer of 2006, that's a neat picture. That's a picture of the sun at different times of the day taken from Alaska. Not by me, but uh, in 2006, we did get to go to Alaska with a Sunday school class from this church um, led by our fearless leaders, John and Elaine Rush. And the thing that fascinated me most about that trip was the fact that the sun stayed up 18 hours a day. The further north you went, the longer it stayed open. Stayed up, rather. Stayed open. That's good. Uh, in Fairbanks, Alaska, I stayed up all night, practically, because I wanted to see what it looked like to see the sun shining on the mountain at 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, what a neat thing. And it never got dark. It got twilight, but it never got dark that day. Um, now, this time of year, you couldn't talk me into going back up there uh, because uh, they haven't seen the sun since November, and that place is cold, and that's real darkness up there. But sometimes we live our seasons of life here in dark darkness around us, don't we? Maybe not at the North Pole, but right here in Greer. For those of us whose existence is overshadowed by darkness and death, the light of Christ has been sent so that we can be enlightened by his love and his light. So my friends, today, maybe your name is Zebulun. Maybe your name is Naphtali, Naphtali. Upon your darkness, God's light has been sent. Sometimes we forget why we exist as a church of Jesus Christ. We forget our purpose. We're surrounded by people who live in darkness. And each one of us is an acolyte sent into the world, bearing the light of Christ to our neighbors. We really don't have an, a purpose to exist as a church other than to make disciples for Jesus, students for Jesus. Starting in the nursery, we start out making little disciples. By equipping adults with spiritual resources for life, we make disciples. We are reaching out to those in our community through various ministries. We're trying to make disciples for Jesus. Zebulun and Naphtali are right out there outside our doors. The kingdom of God has come for all of those folks out there. And we dare not forget that. Now, I've always been fascinated by the way that scholars try to translate the Greek, which means at hand, because John and Jesus both said the kingdom of God is at hand. What does that mean? Most of the translators of our Bibles translate that Greek word as a forecast of some future event that's yet to get here, but it's going to come. It's, uh, it's out there and coming. God's kingdom is just around the corner. It'll get here any time now, so you be ready for when it comes. But what if Jesus meant that a little differently? What if rather than meaning nearby or at hand, Jesus was using a different meaning of that word, which was, it's already here now, right now with you. That's how the message translation of the Bible and J.B. Phillips' translation translates this phrase, making Jesus' message to the world, you must change your hearts, for the kingdom of God has arrived. What difference would it make 
And what difference might Jesus envision for our lives right now if we stopped expecting the kingdom of God to come someday and instead started acting like it's already here and living under the lordship of Christ here and now? I really do think that's what Jesus meant. He as much as said that in Luke 17, the kingdom of God is here within you. That's exactly how the Romans understood the message that this young fellow was proclaiming himself to be a king and he was put on trial for that. He was encouraging people to be loyal to a different kingdom first and foremost. He wasn't promising a future kingdom someday. He was proclaiming that the time had come now and people needed to start living like there was a new kingdom here on earth. The king was here. And so the message of Jesus was, change your way of living because God's kingdom has come. Now it's abundantly clear that since Jesus didn't try to raise an army and that he wasn't interested in a conventional form of government here on earth, And since he said to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world, that Jesus wasn't talking about what you and I usually think about when we say country. He wasn't interested in making Israel powerful again. He didn't have in mind some theocracy like Iran has tried to to build since 1979. Talk about a scary thing. People ruling over you while claiming to represent God. I don't want any part of that, and you don't either. I'm sure that's not what Jesus had in mind. He wasn't talking about a country where the will of the majority would be forced on the minority. Rather, he was talking about every individual deciding to let their behavior come under the lordship of God. He didn't even see the need for existing governments to collapse before people started living in the kingdom of God. God's kingdom was based on the belief that there really is a God who wants us to experience abundant life here on earth. A God who will be at work in all the things of life to even bring good out of bad. To people tired of existing under old worn out ways, Jesus offered immediate change of fortune based on the fact that God could be involved in their daily lives. He gave them an entirely new set of laws to follow. Laws like turning the other cheek and loving your enemies. Of learning the power of meekness, humility, peacemaking and mercy to people who hold on to the few possessions that they have with a tight fist he urged generosity saying go ahead and give find out what happens give and it will be given to you full and running over if he were here today he would say to us I wish you'd stop looking at Wall Street before you give trust in God give anyway give generously Don't wait for wars to end around the globe before you start loving your enemies. The thing that was very different about the early church, different from us, is that it seems like to me those folks in the early church really believed this kingdom of God stuff. In a time of famine and poverty, early church members practiced generosity on a scale we can't even imagine. Selling all their possessions, giving the proceeds to the church, And together, they lived higher on the hog than anybody else in the community. They always had food. They always had shelter. They didn't just survive those hard times. They flourished. It worked. It worked, my friends. It works because they really believed that the kingdom of God had come on earth. I wish we believed that in our day. The king started his preaching, his teaching, and his healing. And those three emphases have followed the church wherever we've gone. Churches, schools, and hospitals have sprung up wherever the gospel has been preached. And Jesus seemed to sense that each of us needed to be involved in his work. And so he recruited us to be his leaders. He taught some fishermen how to catch people using the right bait. He taught a tax collector, Matthew, how to collect people instead of money for the kingdom of God. He taught some of his disciples who were farmers how to farm and grow the kingdom of God in their communities. He can use your abilities, whatever they might be, in his kingdom's work. I want to leave this sermon a little open-ended today. 
because I want to leave you with a thought to puzzle over this week. We all realize that God's kingdom won't come in its fullness until Jesus returns to earth as its final ruler. But we don't have to wait for that day to start living in the kingdom of God. How would your life be different today if you really believed that God's kingdom had already come? If there really is a God who can rule your life and change your life and fill your life with abundant living, what might life be like for you? Amen. I invite you to stand as we join together in the affirmation of faith, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, You may be seated and we will now worship God by giving. was lost, but now I'm found. Once was lost, but now I'm found. So far away, but I'm home now. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And now my was blind, but now I see. I once was blind, but now I see. I don't know how, but when he touched me, I once was blind, but now I see. And I once was dead, but now I live. I once was dead, but now I live. Now my life to you I give. Now my
Let my 
And now may you go forth in peace, living your life under the Lordship of Christ, because the kingdom of God is here. you